Blog Talk Radio. You are a true 
digital drummer in your own right? Um, thank you, sir. Um, but I have to throw it right back at you. You're honestly one of the inspirations, and I really love the idea of digital drummer, um, essentially because I'm, I don't come from this from an extreme heavy tech background. I'm essentially a writer and just a community advocate, and my role in tech is just more of letting people know the good work that's going on and bridging those connections. So you're definitely, as well as you, Jacqueline, are people that are really helping um, lead the way as far as what that can look like, especially with black folks and people of color. So thank you, but you guys are the model. Well, the Urban, urban Tech Fair is about the spirit of Ubuntu. We are because of you. Uh, without people like yourself and your friend, uh, our guest is coming on to talk about her ebook. The Urban Tech Fair would be nothing because we highlight and showcase existing organizations, community groups, and people that are doing things and on the front lines as we speak. We're great people doing fantastic things with little or need, no resources, and so our goal is to highlight, uplift, and showcase people like yourself and organizations such as Blogging Wild Brown and other groups. How many groups do you belong to while, we're, while I'm thinking about it? <laughs> <laughs> um, how much time do you have? Well, <laughs> I think um, my main organizations are, well, I run all of my private um, creations, writing, and everything like that through Buddhism, and that's essentially my personal project platform. I'm also part of an organization called House of Local and Oakland Local Media, and we create a hyperlocal website called OaklandLocal.com, and that focuses on marginalized, unheard voices in the Oakland area, and we also do more what's called future of news projects. So it's everything from digital trainings to um, looking at what newspapers are going to look like in the coming years to monetization of digital content, how to get more underserved voices onto um, onto the digital um, into digital spaces. What are the challenges? Um, I'm also the digital director for the Black Futures, and those are the groups that just produced the, um, the ebook. And we focus more on the artistic side of our technology, futurism, and just where do Black folks fit? You know. Everything from right now to 50, 100 years in the future. And I also am more of a liaison between other groups like Blogging Wild Brown. Hopefully, I want to do some work with you guys at Urban Tech Fair. So, many different hats all focused on the same thing helping black and black folks and people of color understand technology and be as creative as possible. Okay. Now, Quan, um, I just want to. Um since you, you've given us a great background of you, I also want to see if I can bring on. Uh, did I pronounce your name correctly? Uh, Kiritiana Freeland. Kiritiana, okay. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not sure. Um, everyone, if you want to speak, when you call in, just press the number one. That lets us know that you want to talk. But we do have two callers on the line, and I'm not sure. Okay, here she is. So I'm going to open up the line. Kiritiana? Hey, how's it going? Hello, how are you? Welcome to the Digital Drummer. Thank you so welcome, much for welcome. inviting me to this this wonderful radio show. Um, I just feel really honored. <laughs> <laughs> well, you came highly recommended. <laughs> well, uh, as Quan will uh, uh, co-sign, you know, there's an issue about blacks and technology as though we don't exist, and we're in every facet of it. 
and the whole uh, advent of, of e-books and tablet and t- uh, technology mm-hmm. is changing the way the publishing industry is, is moving forward. I did a, a post uh, last week on it, and we're just so happy to be able to show showcase people such as yourself so that others know that they too can join in, that it's not just a white geek thing, that technology is about all of us. Yes, yes. So, um, <laughs> yes. So, do us a favor since uh, we just got a little background on Quan. So, if you could just share with our audience, everyone wants to know who are you? You know, who's the person in your claim to fame? Um, how do I say it? Okay, so first of all, I I, I call myself a travel expert. I mean, obviously. That definition is based on the fact that I've, I've traveled to more than 30 countries. I've written two travel books, one, Kiritana's Travel Guide to Black Paris, another, which is the e-book, Kiritana's Travel Guide to Multicultural London. And I've been blogging um, for the last, ever since 2005 and 2006 when I had a, a blog called Black Girl in Paris when I was living in Paris. And one of my other passions is actually sports sports writing and and using the Olympic and Paralympic Games as a way to write about other cultures, write about new new people in sports. So actually at every Olympic and probably every Paralympic Games now, you can you know find me um, writing for newspapers or on my blog about my experience at the Olympic Games, which is what I did recently in, in London. And I've also been just deeply involved in this very fresh, Tech scene, African American, African and people of color tech scene for the last three or four years. Ever since I literally just decided on the three weeks before South by Southwest Interactive to go in 2010, and ever since then I just, I've, the community of Black people who embrace technology, they've embraced me, and I've just, whether it's startups doing Startup Weekend or or connecting with other bloggers, it's just a wonderful community to be a part of. And now I'm glad to just tell people about my experience on how people can. Write an ebook because if you have a blog, you can do an ebook. Yes. Both you and uh, Quan are aware that this show is being recorded and available on iTunes for download. So we must make sure that we get the spelling and pronunciation of your name correctly and your URL mm-hmm. so that people that download the show later will be able to contact you. I'll follow up and read your blogs and your uh, go visit your websites. Definitely, my, my main blog is Kiritiana Travels. That's K I R A T I A N A Travels dot com. And if you just search Multicultural London and Kiritiana, you can find it on iTunes, on Kindle, and as Nook as well. Now, is that Kiritiana with an S Travels or Kiritiana Travels? Kiritiana travels with an S at the end. Okay. You know, I've done um, a lot of traveling uh, extensively myself, and I I love the Far East. It sounds like you spent a lot of time in uh, Europe. Relative to the um, black experience from your perspective, uh, what would you recommend for those listeners that are looking to uh, explore the world? Hmm. Well, you know, it depend. It really depends on the t- experience that you want. Now, I have actually spent a lot of time in the, in well, a lot of time. I want to call it a lot. I've spent about a month and a half in the Far East in 2000, 2011 when I visited 
South Korea and Japan. And I'll give you an example. My mother is, she's an ordained minister. And I told my mother, hey, I'm going to the World Track and Field Championships to cover, um, you know, the, the runners. And she was like, you know what, you're going to South Korea? I want to come. And this, this is amazing that my mother, my 55-year-old mother, wanted to come to South Korea. Why did she want to come to South Korea? She wanted to come because they have the largest evangelical church in the world in um, Seoul, South Korea. And, I was, and she also wanted to go to Prayer Mountain. So you can find something connected to whatever your interests are in, all around the world. She came with me to South Korea, and we had a great time in Seoul just – going to different churches, listening to the gospel music. It was it was a, it was a quite amazing experience. <laughs> it's truly a, a learning experience traveling. Uh, mm-hmm. I know that uh, London and the Olympics was uh, a, a great experience. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Maybe uh, uh, point out a couple of inserts from your e-book. Of course. My e-book, actually, I decided to write a travel guide to London because I was just paying honor to the um, to the spirit of the Olympic and Paralympic Games because we know that the, those games bring together basically every almost every country in the world. But I don't think a lot of people know that if you go to London, every country in the world is in London. It is by far the most diverse city in the world. Maybe maybe it competes with New York City, but I think it's it is the, the most diverse city. And a lot of that is due to London's colonial history. So the fact that London obviously colonized a lot of the Caribbean, Africa, and India as well, you can go to go to specific neighborhoods in London such as Brixton, where which is basically the equivalent of Harlem in the US. It's like the you know, the, the black soul of Great Britain is in Brixton. That's that's where Jamaicans and Caribbeans settled right after World War Two when London invited them to work in work in the city. Another um, is South Hall, which has the spirit and the soul of South Asian London, um, mainly South Indian London, and it's it's a place where you kind of almost feel like you're you're in India for a second because you don't really see people, um, you know, you don't see people British people that often in that neighborhood. But it's a wonderful place to eat at um, Indian restaurants and get, you know, um, Indian clothes, just everything that you, that that of uh, uh, that you would find in India, you would find in this neighborhood. So the way the book is set up is that it's broken up into different neighborhoods that you can explore, whether it be Chinatown in London, um, Brick Lane, which is another area where there's the it's basically the heart of Bangladesh, London, Brixton, and South Hall. And I see how to enjoy these places through food, through nightlife, through museums, and, and just um, through tours around the city. Okay, um, I'm sorry, Jim. I'm opening you back up. <laughs> so, um, just like so, we can kind of move back and forth. Um, we're gonna um, we're gonna go to um, Quan, and then we're gonna come back and learn some more about you know about your travels, your other books, your Black in Paris, and then you know um, some of your recommendations um, that you have. So, just back to Quan now. Um, Quan, you stated that um, well, you you do several, several, several different things. But start us with your latest release, which is um, you edited and co-authored 
the book um, Black Futurists Speak. Share that with right. us. Right. Um, so we just released um, released it on Wednesday, an anthology called Black Futurist Speaks, um, an anthology of new black writing. And there are 11 authors, myself included, um, primarily members of the Black Futurist Collective. And it's primarily a mix of science fiction, speculative fiction, um, Afro-surrealism, mixed with some spoken word and a couple of critical essays that just examine the idea of what is the future like for black people. And there's quite a bit of kind of the science fiction, dystopian future, asking where do we fit with all these technological advances. There's also an essay asking what is black futurism, how does it relate to both traditional Afrofuturism terms, um, the traditional ideas of futurism and how this relates to hip-hop music. Um, And the book came about because of a reading we did in Oakland last year. And the Black Futurist, the organization has been around um, for about the last seven years, and we've always hosted events, art shows, readings, music events, et cetera, with the kind of futuristic African-American vibe. And this was one of the first large-scale literary events we did. It was an all-night performance that featured musicians, um, the 10 uh, authors that I spoke about before, a couple of visual artists, and it was focusing, was trying to uh, reshape and reclaim and promote an idea of Oakland as a futuristic black city, but also to um, let to kind of reshape the idea of what black literature is. Um, we've just been up for a couple of days, but we're number seven on the African American bestsellers list in, on Amazon. We hit number eight on African on the um, general short story list a couple of days ago. So I think it's really an interesting experiment and. We of course we would love to make money about for this, but this was mainly about getting the art out and just seeing if ebooks and science speculative science fiction from an African American perspective was a viable product or something that we could be doing on a regular basis. But we've kind of been blown away by the response. We've gotten tons of downloads, we've gotten a lot of responses, people asking for interviews, participation in the next one, help on getting their own ebooks. So I think it's partially um good evidence that says that African Americans, black folks, people of color are really thirsty for alternative images and they're thirsty for things that represent them and that that tell their stories in more nuanced ways from a lot of different perspectives. And it also hopefully um, will turn into a viable business model. You know, we're always thinking about um, empowerment and how do we use technology. And one of the things I like about uh, the the work that you guys are doing over the digital summer is that you always do bring this back to, okay, this is the 5,000-foot perspective, and now this is the perspective of, like, you know, a cat on East 14th and East Oakland. So if this turns into something that we can uh, actually monetize and turn into something that we can develop as an income stream, it both helps to reshape the critical and the creative narrative, but it also turns into something that we could use to bring money back into our communities. Now, as I said to um, Katrina, I hope I got that right. Uh, Quan, tell us uh, the URL and uh, the different spots where people can go to see the book as well as go to your blog. Okay. Well, if you go to my site, uh, Buddhism.org, 
That's B O O T H I S M dot O R G. Um, you'll see all of my projects. There's some information from the book up there. And you can also, right now, um, we're part of the Kindle Select program, so we're just available on Amazon. But if you go to Amazon and do a search for Black Futurist Speak, or you can just do a search for my name, uh, K-W-A-N-B-O-O-T-H, the book will come up. You can download it. It's available for $1.99. Um, I'm telling people that it's cheaper than a cup of Starbucks and we're a whole lot blacker. So you know, it's really cheap. You can check it out. And also... <laughs> You can check out um, my Tumblr at boothism.tumblr.com, and I'm releasing excerpts from the book along with some photos from the actual live event so you can kind of get a flavor of what happened and what the book is about before you actually pick it up. Fantastic. Uh, you know, I was thinking about the uh, post that I put up last week relative to uh, – e-books and uh, uh, traditional print publishing. And the question or the debate that I posted was about whether uh, e-books or electronic uh, publishing was going to overtake uh, traditional print books, where the print books are going the way of uh, A-Tracks with a whole new mobile economy. And uh, would e-books, I guess the question I'm trying to ask is do you feel that ebooks or electronic publishing will ever equal uh, traditional print publishing? Um, it's it's that's a great question, but it's a complicated question. Um, the short answer, I mean, if you just look at uh, digital book sales versus physical book sales in um, Q1 of 2011, I believe. Uh, ebook sales overtook digital book sales. For, I mean, uh, ebook sales overtook print book sales for the first time. Um, the estimated um, worldwide sales of ebooks for 2011 was depends on who you ask. It's anywhere from just under two billion to just over um, 100 million. Excuse me, um, one billion. So the ebook market is growing at a ridiculously rapid rate, and that combined with um, the fall of or the shifting of the traditional publishing um, mechanism, it does mean that ebooks have a lot more opportunity, but um, we have a lot of challenges with that. The main one, especially you know, if we're talking about um, ebooks and tech access for black folks, um, uh, just a really rough estimate of the 10 black folks you ask on the street, um, have you ever read an ebook or do you have a, um, any kind of ebook reader? You know, 7%, 7 of them will say, no, I don't do that stuff. One of them might say I've downloaded an ebook, but I've never read it. So, the industry as itself, as a whole, is is growing in leaps and bounds in just about every um, every category. It doesn't matter if it's fiction, poetry, business, technology books, children's books. Um, it, it, it's already overtaken physical publishing um, for a lot of different reasons. But how that relates to Black folks, African Americans, marginalized communities, that's we're still finding our footing, um, both in terms of creation of these materials and the consumption of those materials. Um, but something that's interesting that's happening, if you, I always like to look at um, music as an example of what's happening across all media spheres. And, you know, back in the 60s, 70s, everyone was, um, they had records. They loved the vinyl sound. And then over the years from records, you progressed to A-tracks, to CDs, to, um, to DVDs, and 
the experience became a lot more digital. But what you had with music now, you have huge collections of um, purists or people, traditionalists who really love the physical sound of vinyl. They love to have it in their hands. They love to hold it. And I'm starting to see some of those same things happening with um, with book publishing. So you're seeing people, just like Terry Keanu was saying a few minutes ago, if you have a blog, you can have a book. What's happening is people are creating digital experiences on online. They're creating blogs. They're creating uh, photo sets on Flickr, videos, or any kind of content on YouTube. On um, YouTube, and then they're turning those into physical books. So now, uh, Arthur, let me interrupt yeah. you right here because mm-hmm. that's the second time that you said it, and we like mm-hmm. to provide uh, practical information to our listeners as, as well as uh, general information. So for those people that do have a blog, how would you recommend that uh, the the basic steps in terms of them converting that blog over? Uh, is there a specific uh, web platform such as Blogger or Tumblr, or is there uh, a program or software that you recommend for people who are looking to uh, convert or create uh, eBooks? books uh, Sure. Um, I originally started using a service called Book Brewer, and essentially, um, ebooks. There are two dominant form, dominant um, forms of ebooks. There is EPUB, and then there is Mobi. Uh, EPUB is essentially the general format for just about every um, online publisher, with the exception of Amazon. And Mobi is a slightly altered version of um, EPUB, and that's just proprietary to Amazon. So, what you want to do is ideally have um, a service that turns your book into a .epub, .epub and also a .mobi. And I was using Book Brewer as a really quick, simple way to create an EPUB um, document. And for that, the basis of it is if you have a Word document or if you have a compilation of your actual of your blog, you can co- literally copy and paste the text from um, a Word document or from your blog into the software. And that's where the actual content creation process starts. From there, you actually you design it almost like you design um, a magazine. So you focus on the headers, you focus on the layout, you focus on the photos. And they do most of the work for you for $30. It's really cheap. But I did notice about halfway through the project that since I have somewhat of a design and layout background, all the stuff that they were charging me for um, $30 to do, which you know is pretty cheap. I, um, if you don't have a tech background, you could have did it. But the stuff that they were charging me 30 bucks for, if I just had a hold of an um, editing program, I could do it myself. So I downloaded a program called Sigil, and that's S-I-G-I-L, and it's available for Macs and PCs, and it's an open source software, meaning that it's free, anybody can download it for no money, and I actually designed the book myself. It took me about 10 hours to design the 70-page book um, the first time, and then altogether it took me about 30 hours after I did to work on all the kinks. And from the Sigil platform, I uploaded it to Amazon Select. The process took about three hours. And total total production time, about, I'd say about 40 to 50 hours to get the books together. I spent no money um, out of my pocket. It was downloaded. It was created through Sigil. But if you don't have tech skills, you can go to bookbrewer.com, and they can do it for you for $30. But I also believe that Karatiana did another version, and I was actually I wanted to hear a little bit more about her services and which, um, her process doing that. Hello? Yes, Yes. Okay, so I actually, um, I actually use a 
service called Look.com. And one of the reasons I I have a different type of book that is slightly different from um, Klein's Boots books because mine is very, I would say it's, it has more pictures. I'm planning to include video in the next version. And I did want to really focus on having a lot of design elements in it. And I knew from my previous experience that although I could, I knew that I could create an ebook, you know, by laying it out in words. But once I start doing doing crazy stuff with pictures and video, that's when it gets more expensive. And I just I can't do it myself. And I would probably have to pay somebody maybe like a thousand dollars to convert it in the right format of EPUB Kobe. So I decided to use a platform called Book.com. That's V-O-O-K.com. And essentially, it's a platform, I guess, um, similar to, I'm sorry, Quan, what did you call it, the, the platform that you used? Uh, Book Brewer. Uh, Book, Book Brewer. I'm sorry, say that again. Book Brewer. Book Brewer. Book Brewer. So Book is a platform where you, before you obviously want to use the platform, you'll, you'll layer, you can lay your book out into Word. You, you obviously edit it as well as you can. And then once you upload this Word document into their the platform, you basically can design it using drag and drop. You know, I can drag and drop my photos. I can drag and drop um, video elements into it. Um, and you do this in, in exchange for a $10 subscription process, and they will take 10% of, of the cut that you receive from Amazon, iBooks, and Nook. So depending on what percentage of the of the book sales you get from those, they'll take 10% of what you receive. That's kind of like the fee that you have to pay for using their platform. I found this, this process, I actually really like the process because once I, I was done with it and pressed ready to go, I had somebody who could walk me through the process, process of, of uploading it to Amazon and the different marketing techniques that you can use on Amazon. So I, I really enjoyed working with the Books.com people. So the Books.com people was like a full-service turnkey operation relative to creation, distribution, and marketing as well. Yeah, it's 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 full. It can be like literally full can. It's, it's B. It's what a B. Not Books.com, but Book.com. I know it's kind of hard. Um and you do have to pay extra if you want them to do, like, if you want them to lay it out for you, you'll have to pay extra for that. If you want them to, depending on, if you want, to, want them to do the work for you, they'll do it, but you just pay for it. Whereas I did, I would say I, I paid a minimal fee, maybe like about $150, but I did a majority of, of the work for myself. But I did have great customer service. Like, I had someone who literally answered every single question that I had about making an ebook whenever I wanted to call them or email them. So they had real people answer the phone. Yes. I even I would call them and was like, Yep, yes. I had real people answering the phone, which is hard to get these days with a lot of digital stuff. Did she answer your question, Gwen? Or did you have a follow up to that? Actually no, that was great. And I think they're actually there are two really good examples of um, the, the say that there's no excuse for not getting the book out now. Um, if you have some tech skill, if you have no tech skill, if all you can do is 
um, just put the pen to paper and you're wondering, you know, what, where the next steps to go, their services can meet you wherever you're at. And <clears throat> everything is at either a zero price point or something relatively inexpensive. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and our model is I'm sorry, Quan is I didn't understand. Do you have to pay a percentage to the platform that you use or is did they just literally just help you create the book and you get all the proceeds? You get all the proceeds. Um but oh, wow. you do have to do uh all the work. So there's no there's the customer service is in the form of internet forms. So there are other people who've done the process. I think there are a couple of uh moderators that are working um for the actual company who created the book and they'll help you like walk you through everything, but it's no dedicated if I have a problem I can call this number. So I think um for a lot of folks that don't have like actually design skills that convenience and um is worth the price of a little bit of extra money. But if you're comfortable enough just to do it yourself then you can download um the the um sigil dot com. It takes about twenty minutes and you can be you can be up and running in about thirty minutes. Nice. Now, uh, now Kwan, um, I'm, I'm, I apologize. Just, I'm, I'm typing notes. That's why I'm quiet. But can you respell that for me? Because I don't yes, think I have it correct. Yes, that's what I was going Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, the platform is Sigil, so it's S I G I L. S I G I L. Mhm. And the other one is Book Brewer. B O O K B R E W E R. V R. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you spell that again? Now, what, what, what excites me? Uh, one moment, um, um, Jim. She was asking. It's B as in boy, O O K, B as in boy, R E W E R. Yep, that's it exactly. Now, one of the things that excites me and what we try to uh, promote through the Urban Tech Fair is that everything you need to succeed in the dot-com world is a click away. And the fact that you guys are doing so much in terms of not just traditional print, word, but also multimedia with the pictures, the designs, as Katrina said, the uh, video that she's going to incorporate into her, her next version, My uh, question becomes, are my advice to those brothers and sisters that are out there that are, quote, unquote, unemployable, uh, those that have, you know, been incarcerated, have have not had a higher education, that are struggling to enter this uh, uh, new economy, is essentially that whatever skill that you have, whether it be uh, writing, drawing, uh, uh, whether it be a, a musical talent, that all of these can be incorporated and marketed digitally, not only in a uh, quote unquote uh, uh, video format, but in an e book format. Am I correct? That's it exactly. Um, and just to um, to reiterate the point about if you're you know quote unquote unemployable or if you can't get a job in today's rough economy. Um, you know, ebooks are one way. Um, digital content is is another way. But there's so many opportunities for you to make money um, using technology now, and it's not all of it isn't necessarily focused on uh, technology consulting like I do or um, some of the travel writing things that Kiri Tiana does. There, there's everything from 
virtual assistant work to um, running a construction business or doing um, home maintenance that people that I've seen that are running their entire businesses um, all, um, online for very little bit or no money um, out front. Especially in, in today's rough economy, um, dealing with a lot of issues that, unfortunately, like some of my brothers are, feel, um, are dealing with, like incarceration, um, lack of education, um, there's – I'm not going to say there's no excuse because the digital divide is real, and I want to respect that, uh, and um, there are a lot of complications with it. But if you take the time to understand what's going on in technology, you take the time to ask yourself, what are my um, sellable skills, what can I do, and then figure out where, um, where your market is, primarily using technology, you can make a, um, a decent living leveraging the, the tools that are out there. And publishing ebooks is a, is a really good example of way of, way of doing that. Um, I've been in the last few months. I've been just looking at digital publishing examples, people that are doing it more or less, if not part time, um, at least have a decent income coming in from uh, ebook publishing. And while African Americans, by and large, like I was saying before, they haven't jumped on the ebook buying train. There are really some interesting examples of folks who are making, if not full-time livings, at least significant side uh, money, make um, actually publishing ebooks. And it's really interesting to see the ways that they're looking at the craft. Um, like at the moment, um, I tend to geek out and get obsessed and fascinated by um, tons of things at a time. And one of the groups that I'm kind of obsessed with at the moment is a group primarily out of Atlanta. They're called um, the Bankroll Squad. And they're a group of, I don't know their ages, but I'm assuming they're all, you know, mid-30s to mid and under, and they're urban fiction authors. And, you know, there's a, common, there's a conversation of is urban fiction, the validity of it, how um, is this the kind of writing that young black folks should be reading? And I think that's another, that's a side conversation for, for right now. But I'm amazed at the fact that you have these young black folks from the hood early 20s up to, like, you know, mid-30s, and they're publishing books, and they're publishing books hard, and they're making a living publishing books, talking about their experiences, speaking directly to the people who understand those experiences, and they're getting paid for it. And it's kind of like um, if you look at, like, a lot of the famous rap stars now, and everyone's talking about, I'm on my grind, I'm on my hustle, I have to get this money, and they're taking that aesthetic into digital book publishing. And again, while the content might be questionable and we can have that conversation later, just the fact that, you know, these are young cats who are not sitting around and waiting for a book deal. They're not waiting for, like, you know, somebody to give them a job at some company. They're out there hustling. They're out there grinding. And they're making a way for themselves in this new digital economy. And I respect, you know, I have the utmost respect for that. So, yes, that's a kind of a long way to answer your question, but, yes, that has a lot of opportunities for um, young folks to, to make a living right now. Yes, yes let me chime in because I'm sorry, Jim, real quick. Said, okay, Jim, I'm sorry. I just want to go back real quick because I can't find this. I must be writing this first one, this open source software, incorrectly. Did you say it's S as in Sam? Mm-hmm. I? Mm-hmm. G is in George. Mhm. And what's after that? Um, L. Um, L is in Larry. Mhm. Mhm. And it's actually if you you have to get it through Google Code. 
um, because it actually is an open source project of Google. So the actually I can give you if you put in S I S is in Sam, I is in Irma, G is in girl, I is in Irma, L is in land, mm-hmm. and type in um, EPUB. It should pop up in Google. Okay. All right. All righty. That's good. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> what I want to uh, touch bases on is because you've mentioned it a few times in your conversation when you said that people can make a living off of writing ebooks. Give our listeners some type of a ballpark figure in terms of the dollar amounts that we're talking about. Um, that's a huge question. That's a that's another complicated question. Um, there are some authors that I've heard that they're making six figures off of ebook publishing. Um, but you know, they're they're like the the Stephen King of internet publishing. Um, so I, I wouldn't want to say that's the norm, but it is possible. It's very possible just looking at the numbers we've done the last couple of days, talking to um, authors who are working on a much smaller scale. It's not um, on the ballpark to say you can make between $3,000 um, easily publishing um, publishing ebooks. There's actually one gentleman I'm following. He's a – funny enough, he's a cowboy, and he's – he lives in a motorhome, like somewhere in the Midwest, like up in the mountains, and he makes his living publishing ebooks. And all he does there, he publishes one or two a month, and they're these relatively short, um, 25 to 40 page um, cowboy romances or cowboy adventure stories. And he pulls in between, um, I think he says between three and six thousand dollars a month just publishing those ebooks. So I wouldn't, I don't want anybody to get the idea that if I start publishing ebooks and I'm successful, I'll make, I'll be a millionaire. But if you're consistent, you find your niche, and you're able to consistently get um, get them to pay for your books, is is within the um, is perfectly within reason to say that you can make two to twenty to three thousand dollars a month publishing. But you have to treat it like a business. It's not just I'm going to publish the ebook um, on Amazon and I'm going to hope people buy it. You have to treat it just like you would any other business. Right. Okay. All right. Let me open Jim back up. <laughs> Okay. Well, um, you know, that's great advice. Now, we are down to about 17 minutes. Um, What what I want to do, I want to play this because this is a person I I actually want to connect Quan with. When I saw Black Futurists and I read it, um, there's actually a spoken word artist that I've worked with. And he's the only one, you know, he's like so way out there. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, there are other people like him. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we are out there, yes <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I said I really wanted to connect Because we actually did a special show On um, Industry Mondays On um, sci-fi Spoken word So I'm going to play that Just to give us a break And then we're going to come back And we want to talk back with um, Kit, um, Kit how, how should I say your name? Um, Kiriana Kiritiana, Kiritiana. We're going to come back with Kiritiana. Here's a little bit more about travel and all, and then um, we'll come back to you, Kwam, to um, close us out. But um, I'm going to go through here real quick. I thought about this earlier. um, All of these are in order, I want to say. Oh, wow. 
Okay, let me just, we will probably just go ahead and here take a musical break for a moment just to give us a break and then we're going to come right back. the digital drummer Jim Newsom with Urban Tech Talk on the radio. Our special guests are Quan Booth, creative writer, journalist, author, and media strategist, along with Kiritiana Freelon, who's also a travel expert, author, Olympic enthusiast. They are special guests, and we're talking about the um, e-book publishing industry, and we are going back to Kiritiana and learning a little bit more about travel. Um, you know, what can we find in her e-book, um, Kiritiana's Travel Guide to Multicultural London and Travel Guide to Black Paris, Get Lost, Get Found. What are some great type of things we can find in it? And then how do we use it when we're actually there? Okay, um, I've always, I'm the type of traveler where before I go, I'm going to make sure to educate and prepare myself as best as I can. And typically I've done that through 
when I first started traveling, I did that through travel guidebooks. Um, and that was about 10, about 12 years ago when, yeah, we we had the Internet, but information wasn't as accurate as it is now on the Internet. So the best place to go to get information on any destination that you would travel to would be a, a guidebook, like a Lonely Planet, a Rick Steves, a Farmers. And because these books helped me when I first did my round-the-world trip right out of college, I traveled to West Africa, Brazil, and Europe, I decided to write one that was that basically specialized in the black culture of Paris. So I decided to do a travel guide to black Paris that, that highlighted the African, African-American, and Caribbean culture and history of Paris. So if you were to go, if you were to pick up my book, it would basically um, not only just give you that, that really um, in-depth history of, of how Paris became so diverse and how African-Americans really welcome African American artists felt welcome that they so much in Paris that they moved there after the first the first world war, moved there after the second world war. It would also really give you practical tips on where to go to shop, where to go to eat, where the best sites to see, the best places to um also even even walks on how you can explore the a, a writer's walk in Saint Michel or you can do a walk along the Champs-Élysées, which is where Joseph Baker basically became famous. Or you can do a walk in Chateau Rouge, which is the kind of a center of African culture in Paris. Um, and it's interesting that, that I'm doing this phone call today because today I went to a travel show, like a, a travel show in Chicago, and there was a, a, a woman there who had bought the book online, the physical book, because my first book is actually only a physical book. It's not a, even an e-book. She bought this book on, on Amazon.com, and she literally ran to me just, you know, congratulating me on how it, it just the book helped her with her trip because she she traveled to Paris alone, and she said she used this book to really give her strength and to prepare her for the trip. And so I definitely love this new idea of doing e-books, but I do I can entirely see how publishing a physical book is still powerful because this woman, she actually brought the physical book with her and she had it. it. Um, and that's something that I can't really do with my travel guide to multicultural London book because it's, it's, that's not a physical book. Here's Tiana? Yeah, I'm here. I'm sorry. I thought... <laughs> I want to keep going. I wanted to. <laughs> I thought I was talking a little bit too long. <laughs> <laughs> no, we lost you for a moment. <laughs> um, and so, do you have any other questions just about either book? No, we just want, you know, just to like, you know, just to share. So, you know, we I have put out links, but just for, you know, when people go there, what to expect. Um, Mm-hmm. And you know, just for them to know, you know, what does a travel book do for you? Any information, and you know, just you know, what to expect for the content, and then you know how to use it. Like it's something you can actually use when you're traveling. Yeah, and the way that I write my that I wrote both my books is they're good books that you can read before you travel because they include so much background and cultural and historical information, as well as books that you can use when you get there because. They, you know, they include 
just listings of various places that you might want to eat at, that you want, which you want to shop at. Um, for example, I'll give you an example of a section that I did on Brixton, which is one of my favorite neighborhoods. It's a great, actually one of the most trendiest neighborhoods in London for a good reason because it's got a very a burgeoning food, like foodie scene in the area, and it's it's very affordable. So while you're kind of exploring the Caribbean culture and heritage of Great Britain in Brixton, you can also have a wonderful um, two- or three-course meal in the middle of their market, the Caribbean and historically Caribbean market, for about 20, 20 pounds, which is incredibly cheap in London. Um, eating, Sitting down to eat anywhere for under 15 to 20 pounds is almost impossible, but in Brixton you could do that and have just a, a great high-quality meal. Um, another thing that I um, explored in the book was just the history and culture of Brixton. For example, you know, London is a great the, – the diversity of London is, is incredible to me. I'm com- This is from a person coming from Chicago, which is incredibly segregated, historically very segregated between white, black, and Mexican. Um, and London is not at all like that, but it took – they had some great – I guess there there was pain to get to that point where people kind of lived together in what appears to be more harmoniously. I mean, for example, Brixton even had several riots at a time where, where policemen would harass um, black men of Caribbean descent. And the book kind of just explores that and, and explains how it led to the, the evolution of the neighborhood today. So I just encourage anybody, anybody who really wants to get a different – perspective on London that's that's outside of the rural, you know, the Buckingham Palace, outside of Piccadilly Square, outside of just, you know, learning about the royalty of Great Britain. This is the book where you can learn about all the different cultures of, of the city. Okay. That sounds awesome. Jim? Yes. Okay. Uh, do we have any... Um, any callers uh, that want to ask any questions, Jackie, before we run out of time? No, we had some callers early on, um, right when we first started, but they are no longer there. But um, I think everybody's just listening in intently. <laughs> uh, they're like me, they're taking notes. I know there are people sharing things online and passing information back and forth, so I think everyone's kind of listening intently. <laughs> um, um, and, and, um, do you mind, can I ask Tiana a question? Yeah, yeah go ahead. Ahead. cool. Um, well, I'm so this is the first time I've done a digital book like this. I've done a few print projects in the past, um, but I know Caritiani, she's done a physical book and a print and a um, digital book, both self published. I'm really curious about um, your thoughts on do you want to do more independent stuff, be it physical or digital? Um, do you want to do partner with major publishers or more small niche publishers? And what what are your views on going the indie route um, versus partnering with either a larger organization or like you know a random house or a small niche publisher? Because like I was telling Jen before, you were another one of those people that I looked at and read for years, where I was thinking, okay, wait a minute, you know she's a black woman traveling through Europe, writing books, publishing, speaking, consulting. I want to do that, and I want to do it independently. But, of course, now that I'm doing it independently, I'm realizing, you know, wow, this is a lot of work. 
So, you know, after doing <laughs> it, it a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Um, are you, what are you thinking about doing it indie versus working with other publishers in the future? So here's my perspective on that. Um, I've never actually thought about trying to get go through the process of getting a traditional publisher because mm-hmm. the it's just never something that I've even considered because the way that the financial structure of of um, traditional publishing is that they give you it an advance and then you get typically you would get ten to fifteen percent of of everything that they sell. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually so I actually no I don't I don't plan to, although I, I, it's not something that I would say no to. I would actually, if I wanted to write a, a, a fiction book, I think I would actually be open to doing that because I think fiction is a little bit harder to market mm-hmm. than nonfiction. Um, I would actually think instead of actually partnering with a, getting a, a traditional publisher, I think the the next ebook that I do, I would want to partner with a company that whose market directly is directly connected to my market of my book. So, like, uh-huh. like for example, a company. Let's say for you, Afrofuturist. Like, what's a what's a company that that Afrofuturist identifies with, or that that company identifies with Afrofuturist? Um, comic industry. That's really, yeah. The comic industry, Quan. I mean, that's definitely where you would fit in at, and, that, and that's a big that's a big industry. Yeah, you can say um, on the entertainment side, you, we could partner with a comic distributor. We can also, if you want to focus on like more brick and mortar businesses, we can publish. We can partner with a bookstore, or even with sponsorships, we can partner with. Um, let's say, um, who are the guys who do the um, the electric cars? We can par- um, partner with someone who's focusing more on the advancement of technology. So yeah, yeah. maybe having them yeah, part, so- um, underwrite the book. So yeah, I would look, I would, yeah, like okay. the industries wise, a bookstore might be a little small, but I would, I would go, like you said, um, the electric cars, you know, the futurist items and the, the comic industry, which represents the future. It shows us, you know, there's so many conventions, there are so many, there are so many people that loyal fans in there that you would really build a great audience. Yeah, so I would I think going if I were to do another ebook, I would partner with the company beforehand before I before I publish the ebook. And somehow somehow if their message really integrates well with the book, I would either through advertising or some type of some maybe even articles through the book, I would somehow get them to sponsor the book, if that makes any sense. So it's almost like they're giving you an advance for access mm-hmm. to your audience. Right. That's um, what I, think that's, I would do. That's actually a really great point, and that's like that's an example of some of the more creative financing ideas that I'm I'm really looking into. In addition, because I wouldn't say no to a to a larger publisher if the numbers were right, but just like you were saying, the actual the per book percentage that you get on most um, most travel books, I mean, on most book period, really isn't worth it unless, you know, you get one of those one in the million dollar deals that really makes it worth your time financially. But I mm-hmm. am interested in, you know, like if we're if we're partnering with, let's say for you, a an airline, it's just to sponsor your next travel book. Or for us exactly. if we're partnering with um I don't know, an 
an educational company or Phoenix University or something that actually had that wants to reach the, the black, um, the progressive African American market, and getting them to um, to do, it can be anything from it can be the ads, it can be they can get a banner at the end of the book, they can be listed as an underwriter, but more of those creative kind of almost experiential marketing um, ideas that can actually let us have the creative freedom, but also have enough budget uh, budget to really push the book where we want to go. Um, the other thing I'm looking at is if you look at um, taking into account the difficulty of actually creating one of these books, there are a few kind of custom bespoke publishing houses that are popping up where their general idea is, okay, you're the author, um, you've written the book, but there's a lot on the back end that comes to goes in between the writing of the book and turning it into a saleable product. And they'll, they essentially um, take the work for you. So they'll do the graphic design, they'll do the publishing, they'll do the marketing, they'll do the editing, the copywriting. And that works, um, they take a percentage that's ongoing. But what you then have is a freelance, essentially you have your own publishing house that people have, um, are working on independently where everyone gets a small percentage of the overall sales. So everyone mm -hmm. is more... Um, they're more motivated to push the book continually because everyone's getting money on the back end. So, therefore, you don't have to do it all yourself, but you do have a team of people who are invested in your project from the beginning that will hopefully push you through the end. And a good example of one of the companies, um, if you go to, I think it's uh, netminds.com, mm -hmm. and they're, one of, they're, in my opinion, one of the best ones, best people that are doing it. But I can also send uh, Jacqueline and Jim some of some examples they can post up on the website a little bit later. But I'm mean, really interested in these small one to ten person shops that do it. It's not it's DIY, but it's not one person doing it themselves, but it's definitely not the one or two hundred person publishing corporation that we're used to seeing. Yeah. Now I just want to share with you guys, just you know, just with the audience, you know, when it comes to traditional publishing, you know, it it all depends on where you are, but I definitely would not suggest traditional publishing if you if your numbers aren't significant enough. Because, you know, you need to be your numbers need to be significant enough for them to offer you a upfront pay that's worth it. But I know right. authors like Lorreen Carey, if you know Black Ice, um you know, I know a lot of different authors, and with um, you know, and she's with Random House. You know, she's under contract. She writes so many books, um, and I know other authors who have published anthologies and different things. And it, you know, it just depends on the person's you know goal. Um, even Will Smith's dad, Will Smith Sr., he did a book, and he was like, "Should I do self-publishing? Should I go?" You know, because he gets to leverage the name. And I said, you know, I like I said, it all depends on how much work you want to do. But don't think just because you get a deal with a publishing house means you don't have to do work. Because now one That's person true. I network with, um, her stuff was geared toward children and all. And while you do have a, um, a publicist that works with you that's assigned to you, they're not like really there one-on-one. -on -one. It, and it's just like when you get a record deal, when you get a, a distribution deal. They get it out there. But if you don't have money behind a marketing plan and a, a marketing plan in place, it really doesn't mean too much because they don't pick up the marketing tab as much as they – it's more like a distribution deal. We'll give you the book. We'll distribute it. It can be accessed everywhere, but you have to let everybody know it's available. 
So those are just your choices. I think if you have a certain amount of notoriety and outreach, you can probably negotiate a better deal. And like Lorene, she just writes her book. They do everything, you know, but, you know, every major author she has access to, you know, from right. all the major. So that's, you know, a little bit different because she has a built-in audience. So I just think. I think um, you touched on a lot of really important points, but I think the key takeaway for like the business side of this for me is you have to have a community. Um, we were, yeah. I think, we were really successful with the um, the book launch because we had between you know two and five thousand people we could reach out to like at the at the drop of a dime and say this book just got published. I um, mm-hmm. you know I'll admit it here on air for everyone to hear. I shamelessly stole the idea for our free book promotion from Kiri Tiana and the way she was marketing <laughs> her book um, <laughs> Facebook, you know, with the free forty eight hour download. And she was mm-hmm. successful with that, at least you know from an outside perspective, because she had spent all these years building up a community of people who looked at, to her as an expert, who trusted her, who valued her opinion. And talking to most first-time authors, people who are trying to get publishing deals, and people who are actually with publishing houses now, it's pretty common to hear, you know, if you don't have a following already, if you can't um, re- um, ran off the numbers to say how many readers do you have, what's your, what's your community like, what's your target demographic, what can you bring to the table with this publishing deal, unless, you know, you're the next, um, you know, Juno Diaz, most publishers aren't going to talk to you these days. So yeah, and even if and you most do of the get people I know that did get publishing deals mm-hmm. is because they did something first. Like Elin Harris, yes. mm-hmm. he went around to all the beauty and barber shops, talked to everybody, and got all the women to buy his book. That's when the download thing first hit. And right, so exactly. it was on fire. So he sold out, and he started this buzz. Then they mm-hmm. came to him to pick him up. But if you... You know, don't go into the myth because I build it, they will come. No. <laughs> you, exactly. It does not happen that way. <laughs> and, you know, and like you were saying with promotions, you know, when you date, most book deals don't include a large promotional budget now. You know, I've heard from so many authors that say, well, you know, my book is out and I was waiting for the marketing department to tell me when my book tour was going to happen and I was thinking it was all going to be luxury apartments and I was going to be like signing mm-hmm. books on the red carpet. No. <laughs> that doesn't happen. You have to no. develop your own um, your own community, your own contacts in different areas, and you have to be out there hustling, even if you get the the, um, the big book deal, which brings yeah. us back to the original question, what's the importance of having one of those deals? But I think you're right. It's well, like it's more like a distribution. On the yeah, it's more yeah. like a distribution. So if you understand, like, you know, like with Lorene Book and, and off, different authors, and even this young woman, when I met her, even though she wasn't well-known, when she went to market to the school, she didn't have no problem because right. the book was there. Every place right. is a teacher's resources. These groups and all, you wouldn't think. See, they they automatically got all of these categories and they have it available. But mm-hmm. you have to think, oh, I need to reach out to the teachers' association. Boom, right. it's there. So that's the benefit. It, they can get you in places you may not be able to get yourself. So, right. you know, again, so that's where you work the numbers. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. even I let, you know, artists know or different people, like when you're doing certain things, you look at it. Okay, if I'm going to do a distribution, uh, I'm do, going to do something, how do I make back my initial money? Well, I print up 1000 Well, you may want to make back your initial money as a marketing tactic to say, okay, I'm initially distributed wholesale. Like just say for you because yours is so 
such a niche that's out there. You could offer the book wholesale to, you know, the comic conventions, all these different groups that will love it wholesale that they could resell it. What happens is you may back your money that you invested in printing the book plus a, a profit, and you pay for distribution because because they picked it up. They're getting it to, you know, thousands and millions of other people because of their large outreach. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's strategy, but you have to think about it. So, you you know, like when I say, you know, the distribution, that can be okay, but I really kind of look at it, okay, look at those large groups that have access to huge groups that you can offer at a discount, and then what they're doing is actually giving you additional distribution. So, you know, it's just being creative in how you look at it. But when you have a special, like both, either you have a niche market. So you two really have, um, Mm -hmm. and they're loyal markets. And they're markets where people will spend money for those type of things. So, you know, that's a great advantage. So, um, Right. Just my side as a marketing strategist. <laughs> no, that's, that's it exactly. Um, and, yeah, it's just, mm-hmm. it, that kind of just reiterates, you know, because we're, we're talking about books. And, you know, I know I'm a writer at heart. I know Kira Tiana is a writer. Um, a lot of mm-hmm. other folks that are coming, they're coming to this as writers or literary people. But, you know, right now we have to be entrepreneurs. We have to be. Um, people exactly. think about, you know, the the craft of the book, but also everything else that goes into it. Um, I'm really fascinated at this guy, um, Guy Kurosaki, and he's a marketing strategist. He used to be the um, the, the um, head evangelist for Apple back in the day, and he mm-hmm. just published a book called uh, Ape, Artisan, Publisher, Entrepreneur, or Author, Publisher, Entrepreneur, and he has the idea um, of artisanal publishing. And, you know, it used to be called do-it-yourself, self-publishing, vanity presses, et cetera, et cetera. But he's trying to reframe the idea of publishing yourself into this artisanal craft where you create the book, but you also take personal hands-on care to oversee the other parts of the book, everything from the typesetting to the graphic design to the actual marketing plan. And it's kind of, it's in my opinion, extending the art and the care that you put into the creation of the words on the page, and you're extending that into the entire project. You're not just saying, okay, I'm a writer, I'm going to write a book, and then I'm going to let somebody else deal with that icky marketing business stuff. No, this is your whole project. This is you. And you've got to take that same care, same attention to detail um, that you took into creating the book into the marketing efforts, into developing the community, into looking at those numbers. And, you know, that's a scary thing to do for most people, for a lot of people. And I understand that, but you also have to understand that we have the opportunity to make this now. I mean, mm-hmm. I didn't try to put Black Futurist Speak into any kind of major publishers. I didn't do, go that route. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say this, this probably wouldn't have gotten published if we tried to send this to a major yeah. publisher. We had to do it ourselves, you know? Um, yeah, and, and you also proven ground and – but also, too, just to go a little bit further with what you say, sometimes sometimes we look so at the business we get scared of it, but as creative people, and this is where sometimes I get dumbfounded, you know, sometimes creative people don't take their creativity into the business in. Like right. they leave it at the art and they take that whole imagination away from the business end. And that's right. the fun part. That's 
Mm-hmm. If you have words, and there's a certain rhythm to your words, if you actually looked at some visual arts and, and typography, that's an art form in itself. Right. So that the people aren't just reading and starting to get bored. You can move those words. Those words can take shapes, you know, and it can follow the flow and the rhythm. And, you know, that's just like when you frame a picture. You have a piece right. of art, you know, I might have got a piece of art from uh whether it's Charles Bibbs or, or Reese, I got an original piece from him. Now when I go to frame it, I'm going to go to Kathy or to a gallery to frame it. Now Kathy does inlays, she does fabric inlays, she does car. That's a whole new piece of artwork that I work out, and the framers are artists. And now mm-hmm. I have a whole new voice, and as opposed to someone else that has the same picture, but it's a whole nother voice. So sometimes if we don't, you know, Stop being so scared of it and look at it artistically, you know, and think of it in that same creativity taken to how can I market it. You know? Right. Um, and I just want to add, um, I don't know how much time we have, but just really quickly I wanted to ask Caratiana, what was her process like from becoming, you know, starting off as a traveler, becoming a writer, and then move it into a businesswoman? Like how was that process for you? Did you find it easy? Did you have to kind of get into the weeds and, like, figure out what a business was like, or did it just come naturally to you? I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's I. That's a really good question. I am. Um, it's a learning process as I go through it right now because I'm one of those people. I I love the process of creating an independent project, and I love putting it out into the world. But sometimes I forget that you have you can't just nurture something like three months after you put a project or a business out into the world, you have to nurture it like probably a year and a half. Like your Astro Futurist book, and this is coming from someone who published, this is from my experience of publishing the first physical book. Like don't market that for two years. Like I I think the, the, the thing that I kind of mistakenly thought was that you market something for like three to six months and then you kind of, kind of hope that it just stands on its feet. No, I'm actually... It's strange because in the last two two months, I've gotten a plug in Essence Magazine and a plug in Ebony Magazine for not the multicultural London book, but the Black Paris book. I'm just like, well, maybe I actually should have been really working to strategize on how I can make that, um, continue to market that so that could be like very, very extremely strong passive income because my goal is to publish books so I can just have passive income. Um, and just be, being a business, it's like a continual, for me, it's just a continual learning process that I'm, I learn from everybody who is, who's just starting their business and who has started business. So all I can say is just, it's, 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 it can be difficult for a creative person, but it's something you got to do in this new world where everybody has the ability to become an entrepreneur with all these tools that we have at our fingertips. Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. Um, I'm learning from you too, Brian. to me. <laughs> this has been ahead, a great Jim. show, and so many questions and follow-up questions and being able to tap into people that are out there in the trenches actually doing it. Uh, you know, I salute both of you for the uh, the work that you're doing and the willingness to share the knowledge 
and the information with others. Uh, Jackie, you want to close us out? Well, um, you know, you know how we close out. We have um, each of you. Um, we have thirty seconds in the whole world listening. Ladies first. Katrina. Kiritiana. I'm here. Yeah. Okay. Well, you have thirty seconds in the whole world listening. What do you have oh. to say? <laughs> um, I just want to say. Well, I want to thank the world for supporting Kiritiana. Just remember that name, K-I-R-A-T-I-A-N-A. Um, if you Google that, you'll find my books, The Curious Travel Guide to Black Paris, Curious Travel Guide to Multicultural London, and you'll just see more work from me, whether me me at the World Cup, me at the Olympic and Paralympic Games. Just keep supporting me. Thank you so much. All righty. And Quan? Um, 30 seconds. I'd say first, thank you guys for having me. Thanks, Kiritiana, for being a great um, co-guest. Um, go to Boothism, B-O-O-T-H-I-S-M dot org to keep in touch with other work that I'm doing. That Drop me a line if you want to get in contact. And just keep your eye on that site. We're going to be doing some really amazing and interesting projects this year, and I'm really excited. And if you're not online, get online. If you're not thinking about how to leverage technology to make your world better, think about getting get, on, get started doing that today. Uh, and Pay attention to the digital drummer and Urban Tech Fair because they they're doing some fantastic work. All right. Now, just one more thing, Quan. Are you committing to being a city leader for us in the Bay Area? Are you committing to that? <laughs> Putting me on the spot Uh-oh. on air. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, I will say that I am committed to supporting the the message, the theme, and the overall goals of the Urban Tech Fair, however I best can do that. Whether right. that's being a, a city chair, we'll see, but I'm definitely behind you 100%. All right. That's great. We appreciate it, too, my brother. Uh, you have a powerful voice, and many people listen to you. So uh, mm-hmm. truly, that's a, a great endorsement. We appreciate that. Great. Thank All you right. so much. Um, thanks for having us both. We appreciate it. Yes, thank Alrighty. you so much. Everyone have a wonderful week, and we'll see you in two weeks. Bye. There you go. All right. Bye. Peace.